Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talk with the Doc, the show where we bring your questions to medical experts for insight and information. I'm your host, Mary Renoff, and here with me today is Dr. Mark Basarotman of Facey Medical Group in California. Today, we're answering your questions about the Mediterranean diet, the benefits, what the diet consists of, and if it's the right eating plan for you. Remember, everyone, many of our questions come from our listeners via social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook and Instagram under Providence Health System. Use the hashtag TalkWithTheDoc, that's hashtag TalkWithTheDoc, for a chance to hear your questions on our episodes. Before we start, I want our listeners to know that the information provided during this program is for educational purposes only. You should always consult a healthcare provider if you have any questions regarding a medical condition or treatment. So let's get started by welcoming our expert today, Dr. Basarotman. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, uh, first things first, thank you for having me. Um, you know, it's always a pleasure uh, being on uh, this podcast. So a little bit about myself. I'm Mark Bassaratman uh, from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I was raised in the South Florida region, and I've been in California now uh, for the past three years. And tell me about your area of expertise. So I'm a DNP, which stands for um, Doctor of Nurse Practitioner. I work in internal medicine and family practice here at uh, Facey Medical Group, which is a Providence branch in Valencia, California. So I am a family NP that received my clinical doctorate with a strong emphasis on primary care, preventative health, and family practice. Wonderful. Well, today we're talking about the Mediterranean diet, which I'm super excited because I've read so much about it and I know so many people who have done it and I just really want to understand kind of the, the backstory on it and whether it's good for us and how we do it. So tell me a little bit that like, let's start with the absolute basics. Why is it called the Mediterranean diet? Uh, so the Mediterranean diet originates from the regions of Spain, Cyprus, Croatia, Italy, and Greece. And it's just because of that region of the world uh, where the types of foods that they eat are the same types of foods that we're actually recommending for many of our patients here at FACI. It's a very contemporary practice that I'm actually noticing I'm talking about with my patients quite frequently, whether it's for their annual physical, whether it's just for a well check or whether they're here for any sort of chief complaint. Um, the Mediterranean diet is something that can uh, kind of benefit all sorts of a variety of different patients as the case may be. Well, that's interesting because I was going to ask you if it's better for some versus others or are there other types of patients maybe who shouldn't do a Mediterranean diet? So yeah, it's interesting. So the, the diet's been around for thousands of years um, since, think way back from your history class, the Assyrians, Egyptians, Fertile Crescent, ancient Greeks, and it's a diet that's really rich in like beans, almonds, lentils, olives, walnuts, grains, vegetables, you know, fish, sardines, tomatoes, and it's a kind of very beneficial diet for, you know, a plethora of all patients. And I always tell them, you know, it's more of a lifestyle rather than a diet, um, you know, because a diet kind of institutes restrictions. This is more of a, a lifestyle to kind of adhere to. I think, though, it's really interesting you say that because I think when we hear diet, we think very restrictive and we think maybe a moment in time. But one of the things I also think of with diets is that people kind of go like, whole hog the other way, right? Like if you tell me, oh, avocados are healthy, then I eat all avocados, but I might, maybe I eat guacamole. If you tell me olives are healthy, am I going all in or olives or do I need to like ration how much I'm eating of a certain thing? That's a great question. So correct. A diet definitely 
indicates restriction, you know, don't eat sweets, don't eat fatty foods, don't eat foods that are high in trans fats or saturated fats. Whereas the Mediterranean diet or the lifestyle, it's more as, okay, well, these are a set of uh, food groups that are going to be appropriate to eat. Now, I wouldn't say let's go all in and eat olives every single day. Definitely a variety is going to be necessary with all diets and with all lifestyles. You don't want to be eating the same foods over and over again where it's you're going to be inundated and then essentially it's going to create more harm than good as the case may be. The, the concept of the Mediterranean lifestyle that I like is that you're essentially living off the land, which is kind of what they were doing back in ancient times, which makes it very interesting. It used to be known as what we call a poor man's diet because it really highly consisted of agricultural and living off of the land. They really limited their meats, their chickens, their beefs, their steak and their lamb. And ultimately it was because it was highly coveted and sought after. Um, meat was a sign of financial prosperity. And, you know, because they were more in the farming industry and they weren't, you know, kings or queens or whatnot, you know, they didn't have a lot of accessibility to meat. So they were kind of living off what they already had, you know, the, uh, you know, the grains, the vegetables, the fruits, um, this type of food, which it was actually, uh, which is funny, it's actually better than the uh, quote unquote rich man food because uh, it had less saturated fats as the case may be. So it's been around for a really long time, but how long have we been studying it? Like, do we know enough about it? What, what are the findings? So, yeah, it's been around for a really long time. I mean, think back to the ancient Greek times, but uh, we really started looking into this, I would say, around the early 90s. Uh, the Harvard School of Public Health and the European branch of the WHO World Health Organization introduced their own Mediterranean diet pyramid, which actually kind of went against what the USDA food pyramid had. And that was released in 1992. Um, just to backtrack, what we kind of learned growing up in school and in health classes, the USDA pyramid from 1992 is very dated. And in a contemporary uh, medicine, we don't really adhere to this anymore. Uh, if you think back to the pyramid, this is the standard USDA one, which we no longer use. The bottom had carbs, breads, white bread, wheat, pretzels, hamburger buns, croissants, mainly these bread products and complex carbs. Then you kind of had fruits and veggies uh, in their own little branch, and then dairy and meat in their own branch. And then on the top of it was like the junk food, the milkshakes, donuts, popcorns, pizza, and ice cream. So again, this is a very dated uh, pyramid from the USDA from 1992. But the 1993 uh, Harvard School of Public Health Mediterranean diet period was w well ahead of its time because the bottom part was actually interesting. It didn't even have food. It just said increase physical activity, walk more, uh, enjoy your foods with loved ones and make it more social. Then it added fruits, vegetables, olive oils, grains, nuts, beans and herbs on the second uh, tier. Then on top of that, they had the fish, the sardines, the seafood, the salmon, the oysters, and the tuna. Then on top of that, it had, you know, almost at the top, the lamb, the fresh chicken, the meat in moderation, no more than twice a week. And then on the very, very top was your processed foods, syrups, sweets. And they were indicating that it was once a week maximum. 
So the 1993 Harvard School of Public Health Mediterranean Diet Pyramid, this was almost the forefront of when we were starting to understand the, the health benefits of the Mediterranean diet. So is that is that one of the recommendations though that you eat these healthy meats but that you eat them kind of in moderation and you focus more on the bottom of the pyramid? Exactly, yeah. And that's why I call it a lifestyle because it's not saying, oh, eat this food at this certain time. It's saying, no, let's, let's be more physically active. Let's eat dinner at an earlier time. In that region of the world, uh, they're eating dinner at 6, 7 p.m., whereas on average in America, we're eating dinner 9, 10, 11 p.m. If you look at restaurant times, obviously pre-COVID, um, you see some of these restaurants open till 2 a.m. Um, it's unheard of in that region of the world to have a restaurant for dinner open at, at 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. You know, most people are actually asleep by then. They Their biological and, you know, uh, circadian rhythms in terms of the times they're waking up and going to sleep are a lot healthier than ours. Ours, we, we're very sleep deprived. We sleep very late. Um, we're waking up at not the correct time. So I feel like the Mediterranean lifestyle can kind of indicate what times you should be eating, what you should be eating, and how frequently you should be kind of eating these meals. I agree with you too. I, 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 can, I don't do intermittent fasting per se, but I really try to only eat between 12 and 8. And I find that if I eat earlier and I stop eating earlier, I sleep much better. I don't know yes. if it's because of digestion or what, but it definitely makes a big difference. Oh, you wow. mentioned yeah, I agree. Yeah. You, you mentioned olive oils and this question has been driving me crazy for a while because I switched from vegetable oil to olive oil and then I heard no you should use coconut oil and then it was no you should use avocado oil. Do you have any preference here like is, is, is olive oil the way to go? Um, they, a lot of studies contradict each other so I mean if I had to make a choice definitely I'm going to go for the olive oil. Uh, canola oil um, is very high in trans fats. Coconut oil is a good alternative, but it's very high in saturated fats. Uh, olive oil has been used for thousands of years in that region of the uh, world, and it seems to have the least amount of, you know, trans and saturated fats. Obviously, with any oil, uh, you do want to use it in moderation, but I would recommend olive oil to kind of help use a base for when you cook. Um, I think that's a good foundation to start with. I think olive oil is going to be your, your better alternative. So when you were talking about the pyramid, you talked about kind of eating with your family and enjoying that time. Is the Mediterranean diet something that you can do for your whole family from like your grandfather down to your children? Yeah, definitely. It's something that can be implemented um, through all ages, whether it's children, pediatrics, whether it's the geriatric adult uh, population. Uh, I would say it's kind of good to set, uh, I don't want to use the word ground rules, but kind of to set a sort of uh, guidelines as the case may be, where you're gonna eat dinner at a certain time. It's better to be in a social setting with people that you uh, care about, your loved ones, um, you know, and in that region of the world, they're eating more frequently, but their portion sizes are a lot less. So they have breakfast, then they'll have uh, a meal kind of in between breakfast and lunch, then they'll have lunch, then they kind of have a siesta, which is kind of a, you know, middle of the day type of uh, ordeal. And then they'll eat dinner by, you know, 6 or 7 p.m. at the latest. So if you think about it, that's like five, six meals in one day. Whereas traditionally here in America, we, many of us skip breakfast, then we eat a big lunch, then we don't eat till like nine or 10. And that nine or 10 meal is generally huge. So we're eating two meals a day. Uh, whereas in that region of the world, they're eating five, six meals a day. But 
the calorie intake for us is significantly higher. And kind of going back to what you were saying, when we eat late, um, you know, that's creating a burden on our body where now our digestive system has to work harder to digest what we just ate. And it's going to be a little bit uncomfortable. Our sleeping patterns are not really going to be as, um, you know, effective or as, you know, comfortable. Whereas if we ate dinner at like 5, 6 or 7 p.m. One of the things we had questions from people of, and kind of what I was getting at with the family piece is, will kids get enough nutrients if you follow the Mediterranean diet? And I think that's coming from parents who are worried about having less meat, maybe. Uh, definitely. Yeah, that's a common question I get with a lot of the parents that, um, you know, when I see pediatric patients, uh, there's a big misconception that protein comes from meat. And I, I see the rationale behind that. You know, meat is very high in protein. You know, uh, your steak, your beef, your chickens, all of these types of foods are loaded and they're very protein dense. But the, the biggest question is, A, how much protein do we need? And B, is this even a correct type of protein? Um, so I'm all for eating meat. I'm uh, not against it, but I definitely think we should try to curb and minimize the amount of meat as a, as a society and as a country that we're eating, because I think it's creating more problems in terms of saturated fats, increasing your risk of colorectal disease, increasing your risk of arterial sclerosis, which is the hardening, you know, of your, uh, arteries and vessels, which could create risk for heart problems, blood pressure problems, just a plethora of other problems. So I think as a whole, I think we do kind of um, eat too much meat. We'll be back with more on the Mediterranean diet after this short break. You must understand the touch of your hand makes my pulse react. That it's only the thrill Boy meeting girl opposites attract. It's physical, only logical. You must try to ignore that it means more than that. Oh, what's love got to do? Got to do with it. What's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love?
We're back on Talk with the Doc today with Dr. Mark Basaratman of Facey Medical Group, and we're talking about the benefits of the Mediterranean diet, and is it the right plan for you? So talk to me a little bit here, Doc, about foods maybe that I should try to avoid while I'm on the Mediterranean diet. Uh, that's a very good question. So the foods we need to try to avoid are anything that's processed. So uh, think about your fast foods. Think about your foods that um, uh, have a very long expiration date. In that region of the world, we're noticing that they're going grocery shopping a lot frequently than we do. If you look at just a perfect example, coffee creamer here, um, if you get just your standard coffee mate, these expiration dates are like six, seven months, whereas a standard milk product, um, you know, usually should go bad in about one week after you open it. So all of these preservatives that are put in these foods is creating, uh, you know, obviously a longer expiration date, but that's not necessarily healthy. We um, want to eat foods that essentially could go bad uh, in a shorter period of time because it means it's more natural. So if you look at a grocery store, everything on the edge as a rule of thumb, you know, uh, whether it's the fruits, the vegetables, the fresh produce, they're going to be at the edge of the grocery store. The middle of the grocery store is your canned foods, your processed foods, everything that kind of is loaded in chemicals. So the key is as a start, you want to try to avoid anything that's processed or has a lot of chemicals in it. My um, my friends and family make fun of me because I go to the grocery store like two or three times a week, but it's because I'm always getting fresh vegetables, fresh fruits, and ideally trying to get fresh meat. But yeah, it's it's they actually know me now. It's pretty embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> um, how how would you low? Let's talk about this grocery store for a minute here. How would you suggest stocking your pantry or your refrigerator once you get get going on this diet? Like, what are the top foods that I should make sure I always have? So adhering to the the Mediterranean lifestyle, you have to. It, you have to be cognizant that you're gonna start going to the grocery store a lot more frequently. It's gonna become more of a more of a hassle, more of a type of, you know, you just have to kind of be very consistent with it because the foods that you are gonna buy, either you consume them or they're gonna go bad very quickly. So that's just part of it. Um, really, we should be focusing getting the olives, the cucumbers, the tomatoes, the bell peppers, the avocados. These foods go bad after about five to seven days. So I would say if you're going to focus on any sort of food group, go to the produce and go to the um, area where the foods are going to go bad the uh, fastest. Uh, it's better to go to a fresh farmer's market. I know Washington, Oregon and California are blessed with having a lot of these um, fresh farmer's markets on the weekend. Sometimes middle of the week they could have them. Um, you know, besides those, you want to go to the fish section. You want to get your fresh tuna. You want to get your uh, wild caught salmon, try to avoid the farm raised salmon. Um, you want to get sardines in moderation. Uh, you really want to try to avoid getting the bolognese, the salamis, the processed meats, because those don't really have that much nutritional benefit and they're really loaded in nitrates and in sodium. So that's something you want to be very cognizant of. So to take home message is go for the fruits, go for the vegetables, you know, as we discussed peppers, um, you know, your spinach, uh, you know, your cucumbers. And then right after that, I would say go to the fish aisle. You could do what I do, which is to get goats so that when my stuff's starting to go bad, I just feed it to the goats. But you know, yeah. not everybody has that. <laughs> but that's actually, it's a really good point because there are a lot of people who listen to our show who live in the cities who maybe not don't have access to things like farmer's markets or, or better yet, 
they don't have time to be going to the grocery store all the time or access because they may not have a car or whatever. If you were in, in that realm and you were trying to follow this diet and you were trying to get things that maybe were a little bit more processed than fresh, would you recommend getting, say, a frozen vegetable over a canned vegetable? I mean, yeah, that's definitely understandable to the listeners who are in, you know, metropolitan areas that don't have access to the farmer's markets. Um, if you go to your standard, you know, um, grocery store, you do have the option of getting uh, frozen vegetables, although it's not the first choice. Um, it's definitely better than not eating vegetables at all. So, yeah, I would go to the frozen section, get your um, your frozen bell peppers, your frozen cucumbers, your frozen uh, tomatoes, whatever options that um, are available in that particular city. And then I would say, you know, try to cook it, um, you know, sooner than later. You want to avoid steaming it uh, extensively because if you steam it, then you're actually getting rid of a lot of the nutrients as the case may be. So if you have no choice, go ahead and go to the frozen section, go ahead and, um, you know, consume it sooner than later. It's not good for it to sit in the freezer for you know, weeks or months at a, at a time. Cause I know a lot of people, they buy their frozen vegetables and then it's there till 2022. So I may be guilty of that, but you yeah. know, just say it. <laughs> um, so for those people though, who are trying to create their grocery list, is there a way, like a place that they can go and get the Mediterranean diet grocery list to make sure they always have it handy? Uh, that's a great question. I would say the, the key is, is to find an organic grocery store. Uh, I know on the East Coast, um, Trader Joe's is uh, very prevalent in the New York, New Jersey area. Out here on the West Coast, we are blessed with Sprouts. Um, we do have Trader Joe's here as well. Um, so look at your local area in regards to what offers organic products. And I would say, you know, just kind of follow the, uh, the guidelines as we discussed, you know, kind of going straight for the fruits and the vegetables. And then right after that, going for the fish aisle. And then a lot of it is just, you know, avoiding the processed meats and the processed uh, sugars or anything uh, that has a lot of chemicals or nitrites in it. I want to come back to this Mediterranean diet and use the diet part, because I think, again, you know, when you hear diet, you think weight loss, right? Or something like that. But this is really more of a health benefit overall. Talk to me about, I mean, obviously you would, I would think you would see some weight loss if you were going through this, but is it more about heart health, general wellness? Why, why are you recommending it to your patient? This is a great, great question. And actually this isn't even for weight loss at all. Um, you know, weight loss is going to occur if you have a caloric deficit. So if you eat less, uh, then obviously uh, we expect the weight to go down. Obviously, much, much easier said than done. But I'm recommending, to, I'm recommending this to my patients who have elevated triglycerides, who have elevated LDL cholesterols, who have risk for gout, risk for coronary artery disease. And unfortunately, many of these patients... Uh, are actually in the healthy weight range. So it's kind of a conundrum where I don't need them to lose weight. I just need them to clean up what they're eating because um, their weight, their, their BMI is within that 18 to 25 range. And BMI stands for body mass index. That's how we kind of indicate whether a patient's in the proper weight range as the case may be. So yeah, again, it's not for weight loss. It's just to kind of live a healthier lifestyle. And I'm really trying to prevent these patients having to go on Lipitor, atorvastatin, cholesterol medication, blood pressure medication. So again, think of this as preventative medicine. Do you get people pushing back and asking about things like the keto diet or do they try to compare the two? 
Yeah, I get a lot of comparison where they'll ask me, how is this different from the keto diet? And uh, the keto diet is quite interesting. It's a very low carb diet and it's trying to put your body in what we call a state of ketosis where you're going to eat a lot of proteins, uh, high uh, healthy fat intake, um, and a lot of vegetables. So like a standard keto diet would be a bowl of broccoli and an eight ounce steak. That's like your proper keto meal. And, you know, daily, that's not going to really offer that much benefit in regards to that eight ounce steak you're eating daily. Uh, you're still increasing your colorectal cancer risk. You're still increasing your inflammatory markers. So in fact, a lot of new studies from cardiologists are indicating, hey, the keto diet is not the best heart healthy diet. The best heart healthy diet is going to be a plant-based or a Mediterranean diet. So this is where I, I differ between the Mediterranean versus the keto diet. The keto diet believes in high protein, high meat, high steak intake. Whereas I'm like, you know, you don't really need all that meat or steak. You can get protein from other means, your uh, legumes, your, uh, your proteins from your beans, your proteins from your salmon and from your tuna. So that should be a healthier uh, way and method to get your protein intake than steak every day. One of the questions we got from a couple of people, uh, and I think it's a great one, is give me an example of a good snack for an adult or a kid to follow on this plan. That's a great question. I actually get that uh, question a lot in my clinic. So uh, Mediterranean diet snacks, you know, really consist of eating fresh foods. Let's start with cucumber infused water. Believe it or not, that's actually a better way to stay hydrated than just your standard water. Cucumber in itself is located, is, uh, has a lot of water um, inside of it already. So cucumber infused water, fresh guacamole with cilantro and basil, uh, whole wheat bread with avocado and fresh oregano. You can have your raw cashews, your raw almonds, crushed tomatoes infused with bell peppers with your pita chips. Uh, one of my personal favorites would be a whole wheat bread slice with slices of uh, lox or salmon with uh, fresh ground black peppers. That's usually a really good snack for me that I'll, I'll try to have during my lunch break. I'm pretty sure everybody listening like myself is now hungry, so... <laughs> which is actually another question we got. Will I be hungry all the time on this diet? Um, and again, you're saying it's not really a diet and it's probably not so much about how much you're eating, but what you're eating. But do you get that from your patients? Uh, essentially in the first two, three weeks, uh, the answer is yes. Uh, these patients are uh, definitely seem to be more hungrier. They're not eating the foods that they're used to. So their body is going through changes and that's quite uh, understandable. You know, they're, they're, they might have low grade headaches. Um, they might be a little bit irritable. Um, their bowels are going to change. That's, that's part of it. You know, they, they might get, uh, you know, a variation of uh, diarrhea to constipation. They might be sweating. It, it's going to be a, a variation. It's a change. Imagine you're doing something your whole life and then all of a sudden you make a, I don't want to use the word drastic, but you're making a pretty remarkable change. So yeah, definitely. We're going to notice some GI symptoms, you know, for the next couple of weeks. Well, you mentioned earlier that you could, I mean, even when you were giving the snacks, you were talking about pita chips and maybe bread. So it does sound like you still have some flexibility, whereas a lot of diets tell you no carbs or no breads or anything. But is there anything you'd like this audience to know about the Mediterranean diet that we haven't covered? Um, you know, kind of the, the take home message would be it's more of a 
of a lifestyle. It's a, it's not a, a fad diet where you'll do for a month to look good before a wedding. Um, it, it's more for like, I want you to maintain this, um, you know, throughout your life. So, you know, when I do see you for your annual physicals, your triglyceride numbers are going to be good. Your glucose and sugar numbers are going to be good. Your inflammatory markers are going to be low. Your risk for gout is going to be low. So the, the take home message is that uh, I want patients to kind of understand that there's risks and benefits of doing any sort of lifestyle. Uh, in this particular lifestyle, the uh, benefits farly, um, you know, you know, tremendously outweigh the, the risks as the case may be. Thank you, Dr. Bossarotman, for joining us today on Talk with a Doc and to everyone for listening and sending in your questions. We look forward to future topics with more experts from Providence and Facey. Make sure to listen to future podcasts on Dash Radio under Future of Health Radio or look for us on your favorite podcast platform. Be sure to follow us on social media. We can be found on Twitter at Providence and on Facebook and Instagram under Providence Health System. To learn more about our mission programs and services, visit Providence.org. Thanks for listening. Thank you.